Welcome everyone this morning, and if you guys are guests out here, you know I'm Pastor Rich, I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Point Church, and this is a special Sunday. We do this once a year that we get together and we uh, honor our heroes, everyday heroes in the military, our police uh, department, our fire department. We give a chance to worship with them together, and then we get to have lunch and sit down with a hero and tell them how much we appreciate and love them and and really uh, thankful for their service. I remember when police were good guys. Right. They still are. We're not, but they are. I remember growing up that you wish you went to a cop before you went home. Because back in those days, you got spanked. You got beat. Anyway, but before some of you guys got here, we had such a uh, great time and uh, really a great uh, formation of our honor guard from Dias Air Force Base. Can we give them a hand this morning? These guys are sharp. I told them everything they knew. You know, I used to do that stuff, but now I break a leg. But also, we have today a special guest that's going to speak today. And Michael Bob Starr. Come on, sorry, sorry. Michael Bob Starr and Kim Starr, Matt, Tyler. Where's Tyler doing his thing? What are you doing over there? <laughs> doing it. They're a family. We've known them for over 12 years now. And if you didn't know, Michael Bob's the wing commander of Dias Air Force Base. But I was going to share something else this morning about you when I introduce him. Um, when it comes to leadership, especially when you're talking about in God's kingdom and his, the way he does it, God says this, whatever you're going to do, I want you to become. Which means the same person that you see in uniform on Monday morning running meetings is the same person you'll see in Walmart trying to get some milk. And one of the greatest things that, that really outlines the Star family is their humility and how he can reach across all specters of life and make you feel comfortable. But that's a God-installed humility. <laughs> I knew it. I knew you were going to say something. Eight more weeks. Okay, I lost the thought. What happened? Anyway, no, it's good. It's good. But really, their humility has just been amazing. And the man that you have standing here is the same man you see on Monday mornings. And what he's going to share with you, a journey that he's been on. But again, whatever he, God wants him to do, God would have you become. And can we give Michael Bob Starr a Grace Point welcome this morning as he comes up? Thanks, thanks, Pastor Rich. You, know, you guys might want to wait till the end before you decide if you want to clap that much. The, uh, um, but my name is Michael Bob Starr. I'm really um, proud to be here this morning. You guys, you, I, I don't do this whole lot. You mind if we start with a prayer? Let, let's, let's, let's pray a little bit. Lord God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for the people you brought here today. And I believe that every person in this room was brought here for a reason. Father, I think that you have a purpose and a plan and design for how we're going to spend our time this morning. And I pray that you guide my thoughts and words, even the, uh, the, 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 the things that I've prepared for today. Father, you, you would sharpen them even as I'm standing up here. Father, and you would guide them directly, make them a, a precision weapon that, uh, that we need in, into each one of our lives. And I just pray that uh, you would 
Make this a fruitful time. Father, make us fruitful ground for the seeds you would plant in us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as, as Pastor Rich said, I, I am tremendously privileged to command Dias Air Force Base. The, uh, and it's not just the installation of the base. It's, uh, it, it's about 5,000 active duty people and, and Air Force civilians. You add to that a little over 6,000 when you start counting the families. So you have you know, spouses and kids. You add another 6,000 on top of that. And then we also, of course, we support about 3,500 retired people in the community. And Pastor Rich said, amen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's a little uncomfortable for me to, to share those numbers with you, but I, I got a reason to do it. So I'll, and I'll, I'll come back to that here in a little bit. But the, uh, I asked Pastor Rich how long he wanted me to talk this morning. And he said it's normally around 35 minutes. And that might be a problem because I, I do speak quite frequently in my role, but all I really do are closing comments. (laughs) So I've got like this internal timer in my head that starts to go off at about two minutes. So I I hope that we can, we can get it. So I I think some, we may all end up going early for lunch, but uh, (laughs) that is, unless God shows up and, you know, sometimes he has a, has a, has a tendency to do that on a Sunday morning. So all I can promise you, it'll last some, sometime between two minutes and an hour, and, and I'll try to, to make a happy meeting in there somewhere. We'll just see how it goes. The, uh, the, the topic that I want to talk to you about, and I alluded to it in my prayer, is the, the seeds that God plants. You know, the, the, uh, you think, about, think about seeds. It's one of the most commonly used illustrations in the Bible. Depending on the version you use or the version you like, there, there are between 200 and 250 illustrations that, that God uses where he uses seeds to teach us about something. So, I mean, it, you, when you're looking for source material on seeds, there's, there's a lot that you can find and a lot that's out there. Let me go to one that uh, I think most people will be familiar with. This is from, from Matthew 13, and, and I'm, I'll be reading from the, the New King James Version uh, this morning. But this is, uh, of course, describing Jesus um, telling one of the parables to the disciples. Parables, just you know, the, the Christian word we use for stories. So the uh, you know, in the Air Force, stories start with "There I was, minding my own business." The uh, the uh, sometimes Jesus stories start with "The kingdom of heaven is like," and so this is this is one of those. So let me let me read that for you. The an, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. When you think about the, the, the numbers of people that are on Dias Air Force Base, a lot of people you know, see all those branches and, and those numbers, and, and the, particularly the people that don't know me well or are just now getting to know me, that, I mean, that's what they see, and that's what they think I've always been. But the truth is, I, I, I haven't always been that way. And, and if you knew my leadership journey, you would know that I started out, I was smaller than a mustard seed. I, I was even more least than, than that. And so what I'd like to do this morning is I'll talk a little bit about my leadership journey. And I think it's appropriate to do that here because my leadership journey is completely intertwined with my spiritual journey. And, and I think you'll see that as, as, I, as I tell the story. And, and my spiritual journey rests on the foundation that is in this body, in this church. Um, church has had many different names since we first attended in, in 1997. It's had different leaders, different people, but the spirit's been the same. 
and it has been very, very nourishing to, to me and Kim and the boys and has truly been our sanctuary. This is our place of peace. So the, uh, my leadership journey really kind of started the way I'd, where I'd like to start it is when we arrived in Abilene for the first time in September of 1997. Now, the boys at, at the time were three and one. And the way we kind of selected a new church when we went to a new city, um, based on the fact that you, you just don't know what you're going to get in a kid's program sometimes when you show up. So, so we would, I would go scout. That was my role. So I would go alone. I would kind of scout the church and, and make sure they had an you know, adequate kid's program and there was, there was something to, there to, to take care of them. And then if it passed that test, then the whole family would come back for the second Sunday. I see, so I, I know we have some military crowds, so I see people, yeah, they're nodding like this. So this, I, I guess it's a common technique. Um, so we had come from Enid, Oklahoma, where Tyler was born, and we had attended a community church there that we liked a whole lot. And, and we, we just really enjoyed our time there. And so I was flipping through the yellow pages of the newspaper or something and saw a church called Crossroads Community Church. I, that's a community church. That sounds great. Maybe I'll try that one. So I showed up here on a Sunday morning, and, you know, I... I should mention that uh, although we had been uh, going to non-denominational churches for a while, we, Kim and I both grew up kind of traditional. She mostly from a Baptist background, me mostly from a Methodist background. We had attended Baptist churches uh, before we started going to non-denominational churches. Um, So kind of of traditional when it comes to worship and and things like that. So um, I showed up here, and it was was kind of full. And I I, I can tell you right where I was sitting right over there and over, over here on this side. And... The, 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 there wasn't, the only seat was the one like uh, against the window, or, or maybe I went there just because I was trying to hide. But, you know, so I was all the way in uh, against the window, right towards the back, but not, not, not far enough to the back, as, as I'll tell you in a minute. And, uh, and, and worship starts, and we got David Bales up here. I know a lot of people know David and, and love him, but, you know, worship leader, um, was much younger then, had a lot longer hair, and... We're, we're getting into worship, and it's, it's a little different, right? We're not using hymnals. We've got words on the screen, and it sounds like rock music. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a little lively. In the middle of David kicks off his shoes. He's, play, he's up here playing the keyboard, and he's got his sandals kicked off underneath there. Um, people are raising their hand. There are people shouting. And, and the guy, like three next to me, he, in, in the middle of so we had the praise time and then, and then worship time, sort of the quiet time when, when God really speaks to us. He was, liter- he was in the aisle on his face. And I thought, well, I have never been more uncomfortable in my entire life. And I wanted to leave. I, no kidding. I wanted to leave like, like you, you can't believe. But I was stuck, right? I, I got against the window. So I, I didn't have a way out. I had to stay there. For the whole thing. And, you know, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Kevin, you know, Kevin York, I know many of you know him too. And, and I mean, he, he's a pretty good, pretty good preacher. He gave a pretty decent sermon. But, you know, that, that whole crazy stuff at the beginning, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to, to get over that. Um, so I left and, you know, I, I went home after the service and Kim said, how'd it go? And I said, we're still looking. <laughs> so next Sunday... I had another church picked out, and I was on my way to that church, and it was actually, so from where we lived, I had to drive pretty close to this one, and, you know, I just heard something. I mean, it felt pulled in, in a way I didn't understand then, because I didn't really understand the, the Holy Spirit and how the, the Holy Spirit can guide you and, and lead you, in, in, uh, particularly in, in spiritual things, 
But I just felt like I needed to come back and give it another look. So I did, and this time I, I, I was smarter about it, and I sat somewhere where I could, where I could leave <laughs> if I needed to. But, you know, I remember being impressed with this thought during, during worship, and as I'm standing there being very, very uncomfortable, you know, standing with my hands nowhere near. There was no clapping going on in my seat. Um, I, I heard, or I had a thought that was this. It was, this isn't about you. This is about them and me. This is about, this is personal. You, you do what you like, do, don't do what you like, but this is not about you. This is not about you being comfortable or not. This is about people worshiping God. So that caused me to pause a little bit. And uh, when, I, when I went home after the second Sunday, you know, Kim asked, you know, where, where I'd gone. And I said, well, I, I went back to the first church. And she said, I thought you said that, that wasn't the one. I said, yeah, I know, but uh, I think maybe you ought to come, come give it a try. So the third Sunday, we came back, and of course, Kim loved the, the church from the very first moment we stepped foot in here. The, uh, she's often very quick, a lot more quick than I am when it comes to discerning these things and deciding what's best for us. So um, we have uh, been a part of this church and, and ever since. The not, it wasn't long after I'd, I'd, we'd been there, and, and, and keep in mind, so this whole story about the, our first time here lasts like six months. We were here as a student in the B1 I was not a leader. I, I was an officer in the Air Force, but I had never been asked to lead, never been really told that I was supposed to lead. I was a student. I had come from being a student. I was a student now. Uh, I was anything but a leader. And we get a letter from the church one day, and it says, uh, Dear Leaders. That, that's how the, the letter starts out. And I was like, well, you know, the secretary messed up. They sent me this letter by mistake. <laughs> it's got my name at the top, but it's clearly not directed to me because I'm not a leader. I'm definitely not a leader in the church, so they, they, it can't be me, but it was a letter from Pastor Kevin, and he was um, planning a, a men's conference for the southwest region of what was then called Morningstar, what, what became Every Nation Churches, and we were going to host it here, and so he wanted the, the church leadership to come and, and help him plan that. And, and I, I just like Pastor Kevin enough, you know, I, I wanted to come and, and be a part of it, so the... Uh, I did, and, and ultimately uh, was able to help him and, and got to spend some time with him. And, um, you know, the, when we had that meeting, I was going to skip over this for time, but I'll go ahead and tell it. So we're in the meeting, and he's, he's going through the list of everything that he needs. He says, oh, we need someone to set up the catering. So I need someone who has uh, contacts with all the restaurants downtown. You know, I've been in town like two months, so not me. Somebody else volunteers for that one. And, and so on and so forth. And he goes all the way through the list, and he thanks everybody for coming out and says, you know, it's going to be a great conference. Thanks for your help. Uh, um, and, and the meeting's over. And he said, oh, wait, one more thing. He said, I, I, I didn't write this down, but I, I, I need someone to help me keep all of this straight. Now, again, if you know Pastor Kevin now, it's ridiculous to think that, that he's not organized because he's incredibly organized. But at, the, at, at that time, he felt like he needed someone to just help him go through the to-do list, make sure things were getting done on time. And he kind of described it. What he was describing was an executive officer. I recognize that. I was like, I've been one of those. So I, could, I raised my hand. I said, I can do that. And expecting that there would be lots of other people raising their hand, and still like, because I was again in the back of, of this room what, with Pastor Kevin standing right here, and I raised my hand, and nobody else did. So he's like, "Okay, thanks for helping out." And, and what that turned into was kind of a a, reg, a weekly meeting with Pastor Kevin as we were getting ready for that conference, and just a, an incredible time for him 
to invest in me. But the, the, the point I want to make with that whole story is the very first time I was called a leader was in this church. Didn't believe it, but the very first time I was called a leader was here. We left in the spring of 1998, went to Idaho, broke our hearts. We didn't think we'd ever come back. We, we really loved the church. We were, we were really planted in. We were attending Mark and Ruth Gregory's uh, small group, uh, had become really, really close friends with, with many people over a very short time, uh, really thought that God, God must want us to stay, but uh, the orders didn't change, and, and we had orders to go to Idaho. Um, we were there for four years and came back in 2002. Now, this time when I came back, I had some leadership experience, but, but not much. I mean, I had, I had been given some, you know, limited leadership, where I, I, it, there were, and it was always in cases where I had authority to do something, and, and it, was, it was pretty clear. You know, I had formal authority. I, I made a decision, and, and then, you know, the two or three people that were subject to that, you know, basically had to do what I, what I, what I decided. Um, David Bales, you know, the, uh, the shoeless keyboardist that uh, I had seen in my previous assignment, he, he wanted to meet with me. Uh, pretty soon after we got here, after we returned in 2002, he said, you know, we don't really have a multimedia ministry. Will you, will you set up and run a multimedia ministry for the church? <laughs> like, you know, I, David, I, you know, I, I just, I, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I, I don't think that I'm the right guy. I mean, I'm not artistic. I'm not, I, I really haven't had any experience doing this. But, man, you know, how can you not love David Bales? So, you know, I, he wanted some help. Um, he had asked me to help, so I, I thought I'd, I'd try to help. So, I did that, and the, uh, you know, it was the, the very first time that I had to lead without authority. And, man, you talk, you talk about an experience where I learned a lot from that. You want a real leadership test, lead volunteers. Lead when you don't have any authority. Lead when if your leadership is poor, they just don't show up. Does that happen in the church? Yep. Yep. So, and, and fortunately, I didn't experience that during, the, during that time when I, when I was able to, to get the, the multimedia ministry going. Um, but it was only because I believe, because I had that, that supernatural, God-given insight, um, that I had to learn to lead differently. And so I, I, I learned to lead with, with influence and, and by listening to people. And, and you know, sort of the, the, the softer version of leadership that isn't always emphasized that much in the Air Force. Um, but that is a lesson I learned here. At that time, my, so back on the base, my career was on track. You know, I, I was, there, there is a certain sequence of events that you must go through if you are to be a senior leader in the Air Force, and everybody knows what these are. It's pretty clear. And uh, I was coming up on one of, the, one of the gates you have to get through, which, is, which has to do with going to school. There are three times when officers have to go through what you, what you might call continuing education, professional military education. And the people who are going to be leaders in the Air Force get to go to these schools in residence. So they get to go somewhere and actually go to the school. Everybody else who's not going to be a leader has to do this by correspondence back at your home station. There's a list that comes out where you get designated whether you're going to go in residence or you're not going to go in residence. And I found out while I was here and during that assignment that I was not going to go to school in residence. Pretty clear signal I am not going to be a leader. In fact, pretty clear signal I don't have much of a future left in the Air Force. Um, and it, it rocked my world. There was a whole other sermon involved with, with what I learned from that. Um, the bottom line, and I'll, just, I'll touch on it real briefly, the, the, what, what had happened to me 
and uh, Jeff Gillum, who was here as one of the assistant pastors at the time, nailed it like within 30 seconds of me explaining to him what happened. He said, he said, he said, he said, just a hunch. He said, and don't hear this as any kind of critique or anything. I'm just, I'm just responding to the spirit. He said, do you, is there any element of pride involved in, in this at all? And I literally, I broke down. I literally broke down crying. What I had done is I had allowed my uniform to become an idol. We can make an idol out of anything, and that's the other sermon that, that is a whole other sermon. Um, but that, that was a, a, a crucial lesson for me to learn. You know, I learned it right here. Um, and the, uh, it was not an easy time for me, but now it sort of it, it freed me up to do some things that you, you don't necessarily get to do if, if you're being groomed for future leadership. I was able to go and answer a call for a volunteer to speak at a prayer breakfast in Snyder, Texas. Had a great time. We just going out and having fun and meeting the folks out there. And I was also released to go to a staff assignment, which, you know, you don't do for people at that point in their careers because you want them to be gaining experience in the airplane. I was not someone who had a future in the airplane, so my leadership was more than happy to let me go uh, do the staff job, and I went to South Carolina. Uh, we spent a couple years in South Carolina. Then we went to Alabama, which... Um, Coincidentally, when we went to Alabama, it was to attend school, and we'll, we'll uh, maybe come back and touch on that. Um, and at the end of school, I was assigned to go to Baghdad and spend a year with General Petraeus on his staff. And uh, we, we do this a lot now, but at the time, we didn't do what, what I did very often. And what I did was the, uh, we can, in the Air Force, we can get permanent orders, so a permanent transfer to another unit, or we can get temporary orders, where we go temporarily to do another assignment. Um, so, for the, so I'm talking about PCS and TDY orders for the, for the military folks in, in the audience. The, uh, I was going to Baghdad TDY, so temporarily, but Alabama, the base I was at in Alabama, wasn't really set up to support those type of TDYs. There's training, there's equipment they have to give you, and they, they, they weren't set up to do that. So the way to solve that was to simultaneously PCS me and send me TDY. So I was not on the same set of orders, but on the same day, I PCS to Dias, and then was immediately sent TDY to Baghdad. Crazy way to do things, and, and you, you can imagine the confusion that happened. Uh, so, you know, and, and I heard this, uh, this story from Donna. You know, I should mention, you know, you got, I, uh, one of the, the, the really key things for me during that, that, that assignment from 2002 to 2004 was getting to know Pastor Rich and Donna and Sterling uh, as, as he was the assistant pastor then. Um, so, Donna, as you may or may not, sort of handles uh, mobility and, and these temporary assignments on the base. And she got an order, so she, she might tell the story better than me, but the way I understand it, so she gets orders one day for me to deploy from Dias to go to Baghdad. And, and she tells the people that work for her, he's not here. And they say, what, you know everybody on the base now? And she said, no, but I know Michael Bob Starr, and I know he's not here. And it was only a couple days later when I, when, I, when I sent her the email because I figured she'd be involved. And I said, hey, you're not going to believe this, but I, I think I'm going to need your help because they're trying to do this crazy thing where they're going to transfer me and then, and then immediately deploy me. Um, but I went off and did that. We came back in 2008. And when I came back this time, the, uh, the church and, and uh, Pastor Rich, and you know, I say asked, but I don't really remember being asked. He just told me that I was going to be on the advisory team. And then I was going to start doing things like uh, giving the, the, the offering presentation and the, the announcements and, and things. And I never really had 
an option to say no or to even discuss it. It was just, you're doing this, you're assigned this day, and uh, you know what? It was, it was what I needed at the time because I would have fought him on it. And I would have told him, like I've told people before, that I'm not qualified to do this. Um, so he just, he kind of made me do it. The, uh, this was my first time to lead publicly, which was before, shortly after that is when I, when I started leading publicly in the Air Force. I was the deputy commander of the test squadron and then commanded the operational support squadron where I got a chance to lead people who were way more qualified than I was to do a variety of things, including Donna Brown. The, uh, when, when I went into my, my, my command, um, I asked God to, to show me a, a verse that, that I could, to teach me how to be a commander. I, you know, the Bible teaches you how to do everything. So I, I, I went looking for a verse to, to really shape how I was going to command. And, and uh, what I adopted was a verse from 2 Samuel. We're going to put up, we're going to start with Second uh, Samuel 23, verses 3 and 4. But I'll read the, the first couple of um, verses before that because it kind of sets it up. Now, these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse. Thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of, God, of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. The spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. And this is where we get to the, the verses that I adopted as my kind of keystone verses for my command. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be like the light of morning when the sun rises. A morning without clouds, like the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Now, when I read that, I, I substitute commands for rules over. So when I read it, it's the rock of Israel spoke to me. He who, he who commands men must be just, ruling in the fear of God, and, and so on. The, uh, I'm really going to have to speed this up because we're, we're heading more towards the, the hour than the two minutes, obviously. But um, While I was in command, and before I knew what I was doing next, I had a dream that seemed to be a, a prophetic dream, but it was a dream about all my pastors in reverse order, which was kind of weird. But So the first one was Pastor Brett Fuller. No, I, I take it back. So the first one was Pastor Rich Brown. So the reverse order. So going from, from recent, and it was at some point in the future, going from my recent pastor to, to my previous pastor, Rich Brown, who was not the pastor of the church. He was the assistant pastor. Uh, then it was Brett Fuller, who's the pastor of our Every Nation Church in Chantilly, Virginia, just outside of D.C. Um, and then it was, um, it, you know, everybody else, you know, from starting with my the assignment that I was in right then. Um, kind of strange. I kind of filed it away uh, until I got a, an assignment, and I was selected to go to school in D.C. So the the that part of it seemed to be playing out. I thought maybe I was coming back. I didn't know what capacity to be come back. Maybe I would retire and come back. Um, to Abilene, and, and Pastor Rich would be the pastor. I shared that with him, and only him, right before I left, because uh, I felt like it was time to do that. Um, so I, I spent a couple of years in, in D.C., actually one year in D.C., I went, I, went, I deployed again, um, came back, and now it's time for the next level of selection, where you're selected to command a wing. And how this happens is the, uh, the three stars of the Air Force get together, and they select people who are qualified to command a wing, and then the four stars actually select people to put in those positions. And there's, there's a timeline where this happens. It usually is announced in the middle of December. The final decisions are made um, in late October. Uh, after Thanksgiving, I heard from the, the colonel's group, which kind of does all colonel's assignments, that, that I needed another job in the Pentagon, which meant I had not been selected to come here and command Dias. Um, and, and this was my only chance, really, because of, of timing. If I didn't go this year, then 
if I didn't take command now, then by the next time it turned over, I would be too old and, and someone else would be taking command. Uh, so I, as you can imagine, I was pretty disappointed. Uh, I, I was I really remorseful, and, and, and you know, I asked God to forgive me for, for um, believing that I would come back. And, 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 and again, I thought maybe that was pride again that, that I had thought that. And uh, uh, knocked me sideways for a little while. The, the, the message I got from God was, don't worry, don't worry. And I thought, okay, great, and he's got something else planned for me. Um, about a week after they were trying to find a spot for me in the Pentagon, for like right now, the, the time we're talking about right now, I got a call from a friend of mine. He said, he said hey, you know, I, I told you that if I ever heard anything about the command list, I'd let you know. Command list still wasn't released. I said, okay. He said, what, well, what, what do you know? And I, I, I was convinced he was going to tell me that, that I was going to wait another year. He said, I think you're going to die us. And the first thought I had was, oh, that's too bad. He doesn't know. Nobody's told him the truth. And so I told him, I said, you know, they're trying to find an assignment for me here. I'm, I'm sure I'm not going to die. I said, I, I, mean, I appreciate the call, but I just, I, I don't think it's going to happen. And, um, and I told him that my source was my boss, who was a three-star general. I said, so is, is your source better than that? And, t- and typically, you, know, you don't want to protect your source, so you don't want to give identities away. Um, but he said, my source isn't that senior, but I think he's better placed. Okay, you know, I, I still didn't know whether to believe it or not. But, you know, sure enough, the, it, he said, oh, by the way, the list is delayed because they, are, they had a plan for Dias. They're changing the plan, and that's delayed the whole list. Uh, so it, it's not going to come out this week. It'll come out next week. Supposed to, you know, I waited the day it was supposed to come out. It didn't come out, so that part was coming true. And then the, uh, the, ne- the following week, I was announced as the, the new commander here. Um, I... I didn't get a chance to meet my boss, my, my current boss, the three-star general, General Walters. He works in Tucson. I didn't get a chance to meet him until like 15 minutes before the change of command back in February. And he started off with, he said, and, and we didn't know each other. In fact, he started off with that. He said, Michael Bob, you know, we don't know each other. But I got to tell you, this was the craziest command match I have ever been involved in. He said, we, we had, there was always a plan for you. We had a plan for you, but it wasn't, you weren't going to command this year. He said, but it became apparent to me what I needed at Dias was someone who was really focused on good order and discipline. And I had a guy that was selected to come here, and he was going to do fine. But he said, again, I don't know either one of you, but in your community, you have the reputation for being the good order and discipline guy. Can, can you put up the, uh, the second Samuel verse again? See, what, in what the Bible calls, uh, how the Bible refers to good order and discipline is justice. That's what this verse is about. You think it's possible that God planted this verse in my life when I was deciding how to command, knowing that that's exactly what would be needed four or five years down the road? Do you think it's possible that, you know, in 1997, he knew that I'd be coming back so many times, and he planted us so deep into this church that, that gave us such incredible support? You think it's possible that all of these experiences I gained and, and how my leadership uh, philosophy and, and style was molded here was, was meant to pay dividends somewhere else? I do. I, I think that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and I think that he knew from the very beginning how this was going to play out, and I think it has been part of a plan. Uh, because I think he plants seeds like that uh, intentionally. So let me real quick talk about the, the nature of God's seeds. And what I talk, when, I, when I talk about God's seeds, I'm talking about his plans for, for you, for us. I think there are three, three qualities, at least three, that I want to talk about. First of all, God's seed is permanent. Um, and I'll go through three. I'll, I'll, uh, actually, so I'll wait. So God's seed is permanent. Um, anytime you want to really 
dive into a subject in the Bible, there, there's a rule of first mentions. You know, some people will talk about the rules of first mentions. So go to the place in the Bible where this thing is talked about the very first time and see what you can learn about it from there. So you know, the very first time the Bible talks about seeds is in Genesis 1. Uh, not too surprising. Uh, it's in Genesis 1. I'm going to read from verses 11 through 13. Verse that many of you have heard before, I guarantee it. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the, her- the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Probably not a verse you've studied very much, certainly not a verse I've studied very much outside of, you know, like vacation Bible school, back when I was going to vacation Bible school. And, I, you know, it's, it's one of those verses you read over and you're like, yeah, seeds, trees, fruit, third day, good, got it. Next day, fourth day, let's go on. Um, but this time, you know, I want to draw your attention to a phrase that's, that's repeated, it's in there twice. Whose seed is in itself. You know what that means? That means the very first seed already had the seeds for the next generation. And those seeds had the seeds for the generation after that, and after that, and after that, and after that. And if you think about that too long, it will blow your mind. Seeds are these self-sustaining things that last forever. And it's not just true physically, it's, it's true spiritually too. So it, 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 let's... Uh, I'm going to read out of the psalm. In, in, in this psalm, we're talking about the seed of David. We're talking about um, Christ as a seed. And, and uh, it's one of the prophetic verses about the, uh, about the Savior. It, psalms 89, 26 through 29. says, He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. And I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My mercy I will keep for him forever, and my covenant shall stand firm with him. His seed also... I will make to endure forever in his throne as the days of heaven. The seed of Christ had within him the seed for every Christian to follow. Had the seed of the first generation of Christians. Had the seeds of the generation that would follow that. Had the seeds of, of all Christians that have been since then. God's seeds, the, what, the, the deposits he makes are permanent. They self-sustain for eternity. Second thing, God's seed is personal. A verse from Jeremiah that many of you are probably familiar with. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Personal, you. Now, there's no biblical basis for this, but I, I like to think about this verse in, in this way, and it, it brings me peace and joy, and so I guess that, that serves a purpose. But, you know, I think about great historical moments. I'll just pick one. So the, uh, the pilgrims landing at, at Plymouth Colony. And I think about the angels saying, look, God, look what they, they made it to the new world. Look at that. And God says, that's pretty cool. Let me tell you about Seth Gregory. Let me tell you about somebody else I'm going to bring to the new world. Let me tell you about the plans I have for his life. Let me tell you what he's going to do. Let me tell you what he's done. Because it's already done. It's finished. I think he had plans that specific. The, uh, I think about the, the very first, you know, the, when the very first cornerstone was laid on the first university here in Abilene. And I think about the angels saying, look, God, look, they're, they're building some, some universities there in Abilene. Isn't that great? And God said, yeah, that's awesome. Let me tell you about Davin Motes. Let me tell you about the plans I have for Davin Motes and what she's going to do. 
I think about God looking at the, at the, the mall, on the, the, the National Mall, at, during Martin Luther King's speech. And the angel's saying, look, God, they're finally getting it. They, get, they, they got it in reconciliation. I, I think they're going to get it. And God says, that's, that's awesome. Let me tell you about a church in Abilene, Texas. Let me tell you about the plans I have for them. Let me tell you what's going to happen even later. I think he has very, very specific plans for us. The last point I have is that uh, God's seed is perfect. I'll read to you from 1 Peter, verses 22 to 23. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Corruptible seed is the seed that decays. Incorruptible lasts forever, and it's perfect. And again, out of Jeremiah, in uh, chapter 2, verse 21, Yet I had planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. The uh, God's seed and God's plans are perfect. They're permanent. They're personal. You know, the, uh, I mentioned earlier about that, that time when my career sort of got off track and, and I was uh, learning a lesson about idolatry and about how you can even make your service to, to your nation an idol. And, you know, I was doing, it, it, my, my career was not going to go the way it had planned. I just went to the Air Combat Command Commanders Conference, and one of the things they give us is they, they sort of lay out how, how we need to develop future leaders. Because one of my jobs, one of my many jobs, is to make sure I have enough people on the base that are equipped and prepared to be colonels. Yeah. And enough officers that are going to make colonels, and there's a certain way to do that. And, and they tell you exactly how to do it, and they put it all up on the screen. And I look at it and go, man, I didn't do any of that. I didn't do that. And, and, you know, back then in 2004, um, Pastor Rich spoke that into my life. Because I, I told him, I said, hey, I, I think I just need to, I need to separate. I need to get out. This, this isn't going to happen for me. He said, no, I, I think it's going to happen. It's going to happen a different way. I think you're going to follow a different path. He said, and I think that that's on purpose so that one day you can tell your story. Today's the day. I've never told that story to anyone before now. And I want to end because I'm getting really close to 35 minutes with a final promise um, from Psalms 92. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. I am so thankful that God planted me and my family in this house. I am so thankful that he grounded us. I'm so thankful that he gave us those seeds and that his, his seeds are permanent personal, and perfect. You know, what I, what I think I'd like to do is um, I'd like to, to pray, and I want to pray specifically for groups of people. Because I, I don't think that I, I really presented anything new. I may have presented it in a new way. I certainly presented it in a personal way. Um, but God has seeds for every one of you. 
And some of you are, are still trying to, to, to determine what that seat is. Actually, can I, can I, can everybody, let's just go ahead and stand up. Josh, can you come on down? Have some of our leaders come forward too, please. We're, we're audible in now, so this was, none of this was planned. But. Here's what I'd like to do as, 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 as Josh starts to play. Um, as I said, I, I think there are probably some people in the crowd who, who believe they have a seed and, and they, they think they may know what it is, but they're not quite sure yet. Um, I want to invite you to come down. Come down up front. Let, it, let, us, let us pray for you. Let us, let us help you see God's will and let us help you determine what that seed is. All righty. I may got something from the Lord this morning. That's all right. One thing I heard through the whole process, like he said, he had a chance to share his story, is in the business world, you hear this thing, and if you're a high-performance person, why don't you be seated as those are here. If you're a high-performance person, you try something and it doesn't seem to work. And you think, I'm a failure. Because in the business world, you go into business and you're supposed to be an expert. But when you talk about the kingdom of God, the word that you, God changes that and go, he talks about you grow into business. So when I was saying that who you go, who, what you want to do, God, you, God wants you to become. And then we call it about God's grace. And I see some of you sitting out there when the call came, not to walk in condemnation because you think you failed at something, but you recognize that the process of God is working so tremendously in your life that he might have showed you something so far away, but he's progressing you and growing you to when you get there, it's going to be a perfect match. And that's the greatest thing about God, that he doesn't stick you out there and say, failure, if you've been hearing those voices. I'm not qualified if you've been hearing those voices. That is the enemy's voice. God says, you are my children, my child, my daughter, my son, who I, I love and well pleased with. And as long as you stay on the path of growth, you're going to see an amazing end. Like Michael Bob. The path that God has him on, God uniquely puts each and every one of them on a path. Here's our, here is our charge. Not to jump off the path. And realize I wasn't, I'm not where I want to be, but golly, two weeks ago, I'm not where I am today. Because we grow into business. We don't go into business. And some of you are in some jobs now. This is over my head. Yes, you are a rookie. And what happens when you become great at it? He'll promote you again to be another rookie. That's how God works. There's no vacation on the beach. It's a bigger job. And I really want to just say to everyone here, to hear this, God is so well pleased with you. And he loves you. Stay on the path. Don't let it go. Because what the church does when he says in church, we see the seed. We see the leader. We see the greatness. Sometimes you don't see it, but our job is to 
see it and help you form it and do something great for the world. Amen? Now, what we're going to do, don't worry. You're saying, Pastor Rich, it's 12 o'clock. We have a great, fantastic lunch for you. Don't leave. Got a jumpy house if any adults like to get in the jumpy house with the kids. But I want to do this. I want to do something different. Today is the day we call Lunch with a Hero. And usually we do it this way. We have our military, our government workers, our retired civil service, our police department, and fire department. For some reason, I don't know why I did this for so many years, I would have you stand. But this morning, God woke me up and says, no, you guys have been standing so strong for so many years. I want those who I just named, active duty, retired, civilian, spouses, police department, fire department. I want you to remain sitting, and I want our members to stand up, those who aren't, and give them a round of applause. And if you're a correctional, if you work in a correctional, you need to be sitting. If you're in a correctional, you need to be sitting. You're part of the police department. Sit down. Keep standing. Keep coming on one more time. And what we want to do is say thank you so much for your service. Those who are sitting. Thank you for your sacrifice. Because we know it's not about the money. It's a calling. That's everything you do. You go to the most hostile places, and you do the greatest things. It doesn't matter what it is. You, your adrenaline runs on changing the world, and we appreciate you and love you so much. At this time, I'm going to have Michael Bob just pray over our military, our police, and our fire department. Pray a blessing. And then we're going to close. Amen. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time to spend together. Lord, I'm I'm just so glad that fellowship is such an important part of your plan and and that we have uh, other Christians and and fellow believers and and even seekers to to fellowship with God. And I just um, thank you for those who have chosen to to serve you and to serve the nation, to serve the community in in the police and fire department. And I thank you for this time that we were able to spend with you learning and uh, I thank you that uh, you made our hearts soft and that, um, that, that indeed they were fertile ground. Father, I just pray that the, the, the things that you taught us today don't end today and they don't end this afternoon, Father, and that you show us in the weeks and, and months to come how we can walk this out, Father, and how we can become more like you and so we can become an even greater reflection of Christ and the kingdom on earth. Father, I want to offer a special prayer for those that are deployed overseas or otherwise on duty, even right now, God, in, in, the, in the firehouses and, and stations, not only in Abilene, but, but throughout the world as they keep watch over us, Lord, to keep us safe. Father, be with them, be with their families as the, through the separation, and just pray that uh, they'd be united soon and that everyone would come home safe at the end of their shift. Father, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, you little hands. It's okay clapping church. It's all right to clap in church. Why don't we all stand?